Good morning, church, and happy Sabbath. And so this morning, we are going to be talking about a very special encounter that someone had with Jesus. Someone had this encounter with Jesus of Nazareth. If, uh, if you were to think about the value that things have, if you were to think of uh, how important things are to you, and if you were in need of writing... Uh, writing a check, for example, to pay whatever, and someone comes up to you and they offer you uh, the keys to a, a brand new BMW. And they say, oh, you, you need to write a check, you need a pen, I give you this key. Well, as much, va much value as the BMW may have, that's not what you need exactly at that moment. You need a pen or need something you can write with. And so our perspective in terms of what we really need, uh, sometimes it's a little twisted. Sometimes we ask for things that we don't really need. Sometimes we think we need something and we just want them, but Jesus knows what we need. And it's about this that I want to talk to you this morning. It's about having the right set of priorities and allowing ourselves to be transformed as we come into contact with Jesus. So before we start, before we open up scripture, let, me, let us bow our heads and ask God's direction once again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful Sabbath day. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for your mercies and your love. We thank you that you allowed us to come here this morning. And we thank you that we have here in this beautiful country of Canada, freedom to open up scripture and to study and to share from your word. And I ask, Lord, that this morning as we come in contact with this text, that we may be challenged and conf confronted with some realities, Lord, that will hopefully effect some changes in our lives. We, learn, we, we want, Lord, to be changed by Jesus, and we want to be made like him. And I ask, Lord, that you may use me as your instrument this morning, and that every word that I say, every thought that is presented and shared, may come directly from your throne of grace, in spite of, of my limitations. I ask, Lord, that you may cleanse me from my unrighteousness, that you may bless every worshiper here this morning. May we all be attentive. May we all open up our hearts and minds and eyes and ears and be willing, Lord, to listen to your voice and your voice only. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Someone, someone mentioned... Uh, an old recipe for a rabbit stew. And uh, the person making reference to that said, well, the, right at the beginning of the recipe, there is this injunction. Uh, if you want to prepare a rabbit stew, first you need to catch the rabbit. That may seem quite, seem quite obvious, but it's a matter of what, if you really want to do that, there are some things you need to do first. And so we need to put the things which are first in the first place and in their proper order. 
And today in our busy lives, in the business of life, we sometimes do not put the first thing, the foremost and the more important thing first as it should be. We believe so many things absolutely have to be done. And in addition, we do so many things because they're prompted by our own secret motives. And we do that in a way that our days and our lives seem to be too short. It does not follow that one first should fulfill his duty, then satisfy his own desires, and finally the time that remains, listen to God. Generally, if we follow that order, not much time is left. It should be the other way around. First listen to God and place in His hands our entire lives. Only then will be able to only then will we be able to correctly apportion our time. With God, the person always comes first, and after that, things. Everything, even the Sabbath, according to the words of Jesus Christ, exists for the sake of humankind. And so the Sabbath was made because of men, not men because of the Sabbath. Everything in God's mind has the human being first. Because He wants to meet us at the very point of our needs and bring solutions to the issues in our lives. And so in today's text, and I want to invite you to open up your Bibles if you have one. No matter what kind of media you have, if it's a printed Bible, if it's your uh, electronic device, or if you just want to look up and check the screen. But Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, Mark 10, 46 to 52. And so follow with me as I read this Bible text. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood, stood still, and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So here is this blind man just outside of the city of Jericho. And because he was blind, we can uh, presume that he didn't have many opportunities in life or that his opportunities were somehow limited, particularly in that time. And he's sitting outside of the city and he's begging for money because he needs it. And he's begging for alms and people are going into and out of the city 
and he's there day after day begging. And for some reason, somehow he heard about Jesus of Nazareth. He heard that Jesus was in town. And more particularly, as he's out there begging, he hears a commotion. He doesn't quite, quite know what's going on, but he hears a, a, a throng of people coming. And he hears a noise. And he turns around and he asks people who are next to him and, say, and says, What is going on? What's this commotion all about? And so when he learns that this is exactly Jesus that is coming, and that there are people who are following him, that's why he hears the noise. When he learns that this is Jesus, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now this is the first time in the book of Mark that Jesus is referred to as the son of David. This is one of the titles, titles that Jesus has. And the, and the title son of David points out to the fact that he was of the royal family of David, of the royal descendants, but he was no ordinary king. Jesus was a special king. Jesus was the king and he is the king of kings. And so that blind man seems to recognize that and he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The text does not tell us immediately why he was calling on to Jesus. Why he was calling on Jesus for, but his cry out, his crying out is, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So whatever he need, his needs were, whatever was pressing him at that point, the one thing he cried out Jesus for was, have mercy on me. Mercy. Like I said in the beginning, there are things that you need, but sometimes you want things that you don't really need. And sometimes your needs are not met because people may think that you need something else. And so this man, he didn't have a job, he was begging for money, he was blind, and he needed money, he needed people's favors. But he cries out, Son of David, David, have mercy on me. Whatever his needs were, the one thing he really had put value on was mercy. And so one thing we learn here is that once you get close to Jesus, once Jesus comes into your territory, once you allow Jesus to come to you and you, come, you go to him, your priorities get straightened out. You start to understand things according to the right perspective, according to Jesus' perspective. That man was no longer asking for money, at least not to Jesus. He was asking for mercy. He understood that above all things, that's what he needed. He needed Jesus' mercy. There's a story that says that things bought at garage sales, they don't usually end up on the evening news. Mostly throughout the summer, mostly every weekend, there is a, a yard sale, there is a garage sale, and people buy and sell things, and that doesn't really get on the evening news. But this, this one story went on the news. There was this Chinese bowl that was bought by a family in New York in 2007, 
And this bowl became famous in April of 2013, seven years later, six years later. The new owners of that Chinese bowl paid just $3 for it. And it turned out to be a bowl from the Northern Song Dynasty. It was worth, it was more than 1,000 years old. And until someone told that family what they really had, the family had the bowl stuck on the mantle over the fireplace. When they placed the bowl with, with an auction house for sale, it was estimated to go for approximately $200,000. And they paid only three for that. Instead, even though it was supposed to go for $200,000, a dealer from London purchased it for more than $2 million. Why would the first owners sell something so valuable for just $3? Well, the answer is that they didn't appreciate what it was worth. And we may shake our heads at that, but the truth is that every day, men and women give up things far more valuable than money could buy for, could buy for something that is ultimately worthless. It is when someone for the sake of trying to get fast gains, is dishonest with their employer and, uh, and embezzles money from the company. It is when people do that, that they trade some quick wealth. They trade some, some uh, uh, illusory gains for their honesty, for their character things that really would have eternal value, but they throw it all away. It is when, when men go out and, and try to satisfy their lust, being unfaithful to their wives. It is when they do that that they trade their purity, they trade their moral value for something that is so, that is so transitory. And so day after day, people are making trades, are making choices that unfortunately bring to their lives things that are just transitory, that will go away fast. And they do that at the expense of their character. They do that at the expense of their moral values. But that man, that blind man, he had his priorities straight. He knew that what he really needed was Jesus in his life. And so he calls out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that as he's calling out on Jesus, as he's calling on to Jesus, he's being hushed by other people. Other people are trying to keep him quiet and say, shh, shh, don't bother him. He has more important things to do. Be quiet, be silent. But the more the people tried to hush him, the more he cried out, Have mercy on me, Jesus, son of David. You know, maybe those people were too concerned about the man bothering Jesus. Maybe they thought Jesus had more important things to do. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they were trying to keep the man quiet. And I wonder if it would be possible even today, that some people may be trying to hush you because maybe they have 
they think they have an understanding of what Jesus wants. Of what Jesus is all about. And people may oppress you with certain ideas that don't really come from Jesus. Come from their own reasoning, their own minds. But they try to, to put pressure on you. They try to enforce them, those ideas on you. Thinking that they are promoting the ideas that Jesus has. When Jesus has not even manifested what he really wanted. Or maybe Jesus has already manifested what he wants. Because it's right here in the Bible. But people come with different ideas. And they try to enforce that on you or on someone else. Because they think that's the message that God gave them. It is like when someone comes up to you and says, you know... The Lord revealed something to me last night. The Lord revealed to me that you should do this and this and that. And you think for yourself, well, it's interesting because the Lord did not reveal that to me last night. And so people seem to have an idea, a fixed idea about what Jesus wants. That's what those people are doing. They're trying to quiet the man, maybe assuming what Jesus wanted or Jesus did not want. But the more they tried to quiet him, the more he cried out to Jesus. There are people who place the institution above the human being. And this is not God's business. This is not how God operates. As I said in the beginning, the human being is always at the top. The human being is always more value than anything else in God's eyes. But there are some people who place the institutions... There are some people who will place tradition above human, the human being. And they will value and prize that so much that we will end up promoting only traditions of men when the human being is suffering because they are lacking the truth, they are lacking the word of God. But that man didn't remain silent, silent and he cried out and he cried for Jesus. And at some point, the Bible says that Jesus stood still and asked that the man be brought to him. While they, they turned to the man and said, so be of good cheer. You know, there's, there's, there's something encouraging that we want to tell you. The master is calling you. Come see him. Come see him. Well, he was blind. I don't know how he made it from the point where he was all the way up to Jesus, but he did. Somehow he did. Somehow he found his way and went right into the presence of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 15, this is quite interesting. I don't think that anything that we find here in the Bible is here just because the biblical author didn't have anything else to say and they put this information in. I think they were all, I am sure that they were all inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit as they were composing the scriptures that became the Bible. And so in verse 50, it says that the blind man, throwing aside the garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And so I can picture this man there on the ground, begging for money, begging for alms. And he had this garment on top of him, covering him. Now this is something that I presume not every beggar would have. Because people would have those altar garments and they were sometimes expensively made. But that man happened to have an altar garment, happened to have, have this cloak upon him. And the Bible says that he throws it aside and he goes then into the presence of Jesus. He recognized that that garment 
could become a hindrance on his way to Jesus. And so he threw that aside. He might maybe trip on it. He might be impeded somehow of getting as fast as he wanted into the presence of Jesus. So he threw it aside. And so I ask you today. Is there anything that maybe you and I need to throw aside that is preventing us to being fully in the presence of Jesus, that is preventing us from coming fully to Jesus? Is there anything as valued as it may be? Is there anything as expensive as it may be? Is there anything as dear and near to your heart as it may be that is somehow preventing you from coming fully to Jesus? It may be my pride. It may be the fact that I don't want to don't want to show other people that I now became a Christian. It may be the fact that I still, I still have some questions that don't seem to be answered. Well, I'm not saying that that man had it all together. That man knew that he needed, needed Jesus' mercy. That man knew that the garment could be an impediment. And he threw it aside. But I can only presume that man had also still some questions. That some questions were still in the back of his mind. But he goes up to Jesus no matter what. He goes up to Jesus anyhow. And as he comes to Jesus, Jesus turns to him and says, What do you want me to do for you? There is one athlete in our generation, in our days, that is, is still considered the fastest man alive. I don't know if you can remember his name by heart. He's from Jamaica, and his name is Usain Bolt. So this man has won several 100 meters and 200 meters races. And in 2016, in the last Olympics, Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, uh, the wonderful city of Rio de Janeiro. This man uh, made the 100 meters in 9 seconds and 9.81 seconds. And, and along, with him, uh, along with him, five other men, six altogether, were able to, to do the 100 meters just under 10 seconds. Now, that time was really impressive, but it was not as impressive as his time in 2012, four years before, in the London Summer, uh, Summer Olympics, where he made it in 9.63 seconds. And that was impressive, but not as impressive as three years before in a world championship in Berlin, and in 2009, when he did the 100 meters in 9.58 seconds. Now those few seconds, 9.58 seconds, those few seconds cemented Usain Bolt's status as the fastest man alive. And placed him on the winner's podium once again. But one thing, if anyone were to ask him, I'm sure he would say this, that the race was not won in those few seconds. The race was won by hours and hours and weeks and months and years of practice, of preparation, 
of workouts, of weightlifting, of special diet, and of coaching. The race was not, was not one in the performance itself, but in the preparation. And so, if it is our desire to, to get closer to Jesus and, and fully live for Him, if it is our desire to attain things that we see others have already attained, if it is our desire to feel inside the joy that Christians seem to, to have, if it is our desire, as we sung earlier here today, to have the hope, the hope that Christians have, the hope that Jesus gives us in the Bible, then we need to sacrifice some things in order to get some better things. We need to sacrifice good things in our lives. We need to sacrifice things that may be dear to us for the sake of things that are better, for the sake of things that are eternal. And so, whatever it is in your life that maybe is preventing you from coming fully to Jesus, maybe the Lord is telling you today you need to sacrifice those things, whatever they may be. It doesn't have to be material possessions. It may be an idea that you have. It may be something in the back of your mind that the Lord is calling you to sacrifice that for better things, for eternal and everlasting things. Well, it became clear to everybody, including Bartimaeus, that his greatest need was not money. His greatest need was Jesus' mercy. And through Jesus' offer of mercy, his greatest need would be healing, the, res the restoration of his sight. And so, what would be your greatest need today, I ask you? There is nothing impossible to Jesus. There is nothing that you could say, well, I am not sure Jesus can solve this, because he can. And that man came into the presence of Jesus. And after having asked for mercy repeated times, Jesus turns to him and says, so what exactly do you want me to do for you? And he says, oh Lord, that, I, that my sight be restored, that I may see and Jesus says, your faith has healed you. The word for heal there, the word for healing, is, is more than just physical healing. It has to do with full restoration. It has to do with salvation. So Jesus is turning to the man and saying, well, your faith has restored you. You are now restored to the status that you, you have as my child. As, one for, as someone for whom I am going to give my blood. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, as we said in the beginning. Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. And if you, and if you know just a little bit about Jesus' life, and Jesus' life story, you know that he was going to Jerusalem, where eventually he would lay down his life, where eventually he would be crucified. So it would appear, it might appear as Jesus would have more important things to be concerned about. I'm going to Jerusalem where eventually I'm going to give my life for the entire humanity. I'm going to give my blood for the salvation of every single man and woman. Why would Jesus ever even consider stopping to deal with the problem of one person? 
when he had the entire world to die for. It is because with Jesus, the human being has always priority. It is because with Jesus, the human being is at the top of his list. And he had a mission to go to Jerusalem. But he had a mission that consumed him day and life, day and night, to save people and to meet them right at the point of their needs. This is how Jesus operates. This is how God's mind operates. I'm not trying to explain God's mind. That's beyond my understanding. But I know for a fact that the Bible shows that God is always interested in the human being. And He will sacrifice whatever for the salvation of human beings like you and me. He would, would have sacrificed even His life. And in fact, He did. Jesus came and gave his life on the cross because for him, there is nothing more important than providing you with a way out of the dark pit of darkness and sin that we found ourselves in. Jesus found the time to stop and ask Bartimaeus what he wanted. Once you get closer to Jesus, we start to see things from a different perspective. And of all the things... That you might aspire in life. Of all the good that I would wish you. Of all the things that you might desire in your life. Like good health for you and your family. Uh, a prosperous life for your children. That they would grow and they, that they would become good citizens, citizens of this country. And good people in the community and good servants of God. Of all the good things you might think. Of all the good things you might desire. And peace in your city and peace, peace in your country and peace in the world and the soon coming of Jesus. Of all those things, I want you to think that you need Jesus for all those things. I want you to think that like that man, he might not be able to see things at that point. He could not use his physical sight, but he had spiritual insight. And he understood that for everything he might need or want in life... This one thing had to be central, and it was Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, and his mercy, and his healing touch in his life. And so if this is your desire, if it is your desire to, to have that encounter with Jesus, and to be able to lay aside that garment of pride, or that garment of uh, prejudice, or that garment of... A material wealth or that garment of any other preconceived ideas you have. If you want to throw that aside and be able to come fully to Jesus. If that's your desire, I'd like to ask you to stand now. And we are going to close our eyes. And we are going to stand and we are going to pray. And we are not too interested in seeing who next to us is standing or is remaining seated. That's between that person and God. But if this is your desire, to ask Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me, whatever may be preventing me from having a full experience with you, please heal me now. If this is your desire, let's pray. Lord, we are simply your creatures. And even though we may think highly of ourselves, we recognize that we need you every day and every hour. 
And here you see, Lord, a sample of your people who have stood up and have expressed in that way their desire to serve you, their desire to come to know you more, their desire to understand, Lord, your purpose for their lives. And our desire, Lord, to be fully healed of our unrighteousness, of our uncleanliness, be healed of our ailments, be healed of our pride, be healed, Lord, of any preconceived ideas we might have against you. Be healed, Lord, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Lord, these people stood up because they need and they want healing. And that's something that only you can provide. And so I humbly, Lord, lift up to you all these people, your children. And I ask, Lord, that in their lives, this healing may be full and complete. That they will come into the presence of Jesus and get to know him as their friend, as their savior, as their helper, as their creator. And as the one who is coming soon to take them home. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.